very warm welcome to you. In case you hadn't realized, didn't quite understand why you were here, we're here gathered around celebrating who Jesus is. All that he has revealed himself to be, all that he has achieved so many thousand years ago. So we gather around that simple declaration that Christ is risen. We can, we can like lay aside our Britishness a bit more. On a day like today, where we get to, to celebrate, declare, hallelujah, Christ is risen, not just in like nice Anglican speak, but why don't we actually show a sign of appreciation with all our, our vocal cords, all our hands, all our cheers. Brothers and sisters, trying to be church, visitors, guests, family who I don't quite know yet. It's Easter Sunday. Christ is risen. Let's give him a, sh a shout of praise. For a bit of formality. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah indeed. I would say you can take a seat or you can try to take a seat for a moment or two. In case we haven't met before, my name is Paddy. I'm one of the clergy here who um, assists James and Lou leading the church. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. It's even greater joy to see you all. Uh, you know, we think we'll make it easy. We'll just run one service in the morning. We make three times as much work by cramming you all in. But it's such a joy to be in. And uh, despite the fact our boiler's broken, we have no heating, we're probably going to be sweating because we're packed in like sardines. We, we're going to celebrate risen Jesus. At the end of our service, we're also going to baptize a handful of people who want to also proclaim that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and Lord over their lives. So it's a great, we're gonna share the peace in a moment and then we're gonna continue worshiping God and uh, celebrating all that he is. But part of the great news is when a few days after Jesus was crucified, he then rose from the grave and he came and appeared to his disciples and he proclaimed, peace be with you. Not a peace of mere serenity, but something far greater, one of wholeness, fulfillment, satisfaction, healing, all these wonderful adjectives. just slipped in. My name's James. I get to serve as rector here. Uh, it's a great to have you here today on this special Easter day where we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so a really warm welcome to you, particularly if you're here with family or friends. It's just so good to have you here amongst us. If you're not used to church, please chill. Um, just try and emulate or copy someone who looks like they know what's going on. And if you don't want to, that's all good. It's just great to have you here, and we're delighted that you can join us uh, in celebrating Jesus today. Um, now, I think we've got um, Esther coming as well. Terrific. Um, through Lent, we've, as a church, set aside every single Wednesday uh, to pray and seek the Lord. Many of us have been fasting, and we've been praying simply just joining in with how Jesus taught us. May your kingdom come and your will be done here in Chanctonbury, in all the villages that surround us and beyond. And I would just like to thank, there's a couple of chaps who've, um, obviously the dog's eaten their homework, so they haven't come up or something like that. Uh, anyway, Mark, you're, you're just a, a, a rogue 
rose surrounded by other roses. So thank you. Thank you for being so secure as a man to stand with these mighty warrior women. Um, so well done. <laughs> anyway, um, these guys and some others who aren't here have been facilitating this. And I've got to say there are some here. Uh, I gathered a small team in January 2021 when everything was falling apart and we were in the winter lockdown of COVID. And I said, we've got to start praying for revival. And some, some of these people have been praying very early on a Tuesday morning for well over two years. And I just wanted us just to thank and honor them for their prayers. Just hang on a minute. Because um, they may not jump up and down. They may not be holding babies all the time. But I tell you what, everything that is significant of God is always birthed in prayer. And it's often in the unseen. And I know there are many amongst us here praying things in. So please hear my thanks for all that you pray and all that you forge in prayer. Uh, but guys, I'd love to just say thank you for all the Wednesdays, the gazillion WhatsApps. Oh my goodness, there's been so many WhatsApps pinging. Um, so can we just honor them for leading us in prayer? And yeah, yeah. We really, really appreciate it. And I know many of us have been saying, can the Wednesdays continue? So, I mean, let's just go every day, shall we? Should we just do that? Um, you might need to have another mobile device that works in place of WhatsApp. Um, anyway, we really appreciate it, guys. And I've asked them just to pray and lead us in prayer because we're, we're about a month away from a key moment in the life of our nation where the king is going to be formally uh, crowned and anointed and, uh, and lead us forward in the nation. And for us in the Church of England, he will also take up position as the supreme governor of the Church of England. So we want to just pray at this key time, and I've asked these guys to lead us. I don't know if you want them on their knees, if you want them sitting, if you want them standing. Um, yeah, so um, it's probably impossible to get on our knees. But if you like praying standing up, then you're welcome to stand now. I know you've just sat down. That's taken a logistical operation to manage that. If you want to sit where you are, no one's going to judge you. Okay? So it's all good. But as these guys lead us, let's not spectate. Let's join in and pray as they lead us today. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we just praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise your holy name. We glorify you. Lord, at this key time, we just pray for our King. We bless him today, Lord, to know you in all your fullness. We bless him, Lord, to be blessed by you with wisdom and strength, Lord, discernment. We bless him, Lord, to have the strength of his mom and, and the depth of her faith in you, God. But God, we also uh, today celebrate you, our sovereign King. Lord, we lift you up as the risen sovereign king in our nation. And I just pray, Father, that at this time you would fulfill your sovereign purpose, Lord, for this nation, that we may see more of your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we say you are king. You are reigning. We take authority over the heavenlies and we say, kingdom of God, come. Rend the heavens open, Lord. We are ready. We are willing. Use us, Lord. Use us for your glory, Lord Jesus. And we just speak an invasion of righteousness, peace, 
and joy to come from the throne of heaven into this land, that the goodness of God will be felt. Yeah, and I just feel a sense of prophetic act. I'd like everyone just to put on, imagine you're putting on a new crown. We're putting on the a new crown. We're saying, yes, this is a new season. It's a new season where the King of Kings is ruling. We declare that we are standing up for righteousness, peace, and joy in Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, as this time we welcome a new king, we also welcome the King of Kings. And we just ask that you come, you take your place, that you make us a people of clean hands and pure hearts, a people that are surrendered unto you and you alone, and a people that are hungry for the return of the king. So come, heal our land. Restore your church to be the house of prayer you intended it to be. Yesterday I was doing a job, or started doing a job that would have taken an hour had I done it five years ago. Would have taken a couple of hours if I'd done it four years ago. Would have taken a few hours if I'd done it three years ago. Would have taken half a day if I'd done it two years ago. Would have taken a day if I'd done it last year. And I let those brambles spread and take over that bit of land. And so I worked for hours, digging them up, shredding my hands. And it just reminded me how much we've let the fall, the sin come in and invade our land. We've ignored it. We've said, not now, it's only a little bit. We'll just, and we've just let it spread. So Father, we really pray that you'd give us that zeal to see our land healed, our land cleansed, the sin driven out, the realm of the fall and the devil taken away. And your kingdom and your son come and reign. Drive, drive out that sin. So I had a conversation yesterday. I keep hearing the words, the heir of the king, the heir of the king, the heir of the king. So I asked the question, what does it mean? And I heard, why don't you look it up? It just easy if you just tell me. So I looked it up. And it talks about... Um, the era of the king, it talks about the, the Carolian era, which is the era of King Charles II, but it's also the time of, it's called the restoration. So I went into 1 Kings 3, when it talks about Solomon ruling and reigning with wisdom, and how over 40 years God brought rest to the nation of Israel. So I pray this over King Charles that he will be known as the king that brings restoration to his family, but also to our nation. That he will be known as the king that brought rest on every side. So we speak to the four corners of the United Kingdom. We call forth the sun, the moon, the stars. We speak to creation. We speak to the ground. And right now, we say, let everything align in the name of Jesus. Let everything align to see restoration, awakening, and revival in our nation, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, should we use the, the words that Jesus taught us to join our prayers together? I think some of them might come up on the screen. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever 
and ever. Amen. I do believe we're now going to have a, some of our Bible readings. I'm going to start. Our first reading is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, the next reading is from Daniel 12, chapters 1 to 4. At that time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead the many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep the word secret and the book sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be running back and forth, and evil shall increase. This is the word of the Lord. It's quite hard shifting from pantomime into <laughs> where we need to go now. I've got, I've got two questions. The first is, why do you think everything in life seems to wear out? Why do you think everything in life seems to wear out? And the second question I'm going to ask you in a few moments. It was my birthday on Monday. And it was lovely to finally turn 30, and um, feels quite different. And I got, because I'm going to embarrass my daughters, I'm at that age where I don't, I don't know, are you still allowed to wear trainers? I don't know. Anyway, I got some trainers for my birthday. But the big problem, problem I've got is that I don't dare wear them, because they're so nice at the moment. I've literally not worn them outside. They're spotless. They look so 
nice, I don't dare wear them, particularly around where we live, because it's so dusty or it's so boggy. And so I've ripped everybody for wearing white trainers, and I've got some. But, you know, at some point I'm going to have to get over it and wear them. And probably by the end of the summer, if I put them in the washing machine, they'll look a little bit better. Maybe get another couple of years out of them. Maybe in three years' time, they might be hanging on. But eventually, they're going to wear out. When I was 30 years old, my brother got me a bottle of wine from the year I was born, which was 1981. Anyone who wants to do maths can work out how old I am. And he, he brought me a 30-year-old bottle of wine from 1981, and I was so excited to open it. And we had a special meal, and we uncorked it, and we poured it out, and everybody who was with me had a, a glass, a little bit of it, and we were going to taste it. And as soon as we drank it, it had been corked. And so it tasted of vinegar, didn't it? It was gross. It was corked in 1981, maybe to last for a long time, but certainly not forever. It wore out. Have you ever got a new carpet? And you hate when everyone, anyone comes around to your house and they keep their shoes on and they just mess up the carpet. Or like Andrew, you just don't have carpets and then no one can mess it up. <laughs> or maybe you bought a new house and it's just so, you know, everything's brand new. Has anybody here ever bought a brand new house? And it's just pristine, and everything kind of just works properly, and it's shiny, and it's new. And you think, oh my goodness, it'll last forever. But everything gradually wears out, doesn't it? Serious moment. In my job, I do get to sit with people who are right at the end of, the ends of their lives. And if you've ever sat with somebody just after they've had their last breath and their body has worn out, you will feel the power of the force in this world which is so strong, which causes everything to wear out. The Bible calls it like a bondage to decay. It's the force in the world that makes everything, however hard we try, wear out, including ourselves. We might eat the right stuff, we might exercise well, but let me tell you, one day it's going to happen to all of us and we will breathe our last breath. And the whole world has been dealing with this force since time began. And everything wore out until this one moment in history where everything turned around. And the second reading we had was looking forward to that day. It was looking forward to something that's going to happen which would change everything. It was looking forward to a time where the greatest force that any of us face in life will be reversed. And it was looking forward to that first reading which we read. And that greatest moment in history where the strongest force any of us could have coming against us, death itself, someone said, no, stop, and they reversed it. And that coincided with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. There are all sorts of wild theories about whether Jesus actually died out there, but there is evidence after evidence to say that on Good Friday, he gave his life. And he gave his life for the sins of the whole world. 
And sin is a word we, we really don't like very much in our day and age because we're all nice people in West Sussex and we all try and do the right thing, don't we? And yet the Bible tells us that all of us have fallen short of what a pure, loving, holy God requires. All of us. Even the best person that you know. Think now of the best person that you know. Even they have an off day. And they fall short of what God intends. And when Jesus gave his life, he was giving his life as the only pure, innocent, blameless human being. And he came as one of us to give his life for the sins of the whole world. Now the Bible tells us something else. The Bible says that there are wages demanded for sins. Which basically means if any of us sin, then we have to pay, <laughs> or we get paid some wages. If you work really hard and clear the brambles of Mark Binney and he gives you some pocket money for getting his garden looking a bit better than it was 24 hours before, he'll give you some wages and he'll pay you for the work that you've done. Well, the wages we get paid for sin, the Bible says, is death. And that is the force that comes on every single person. And when Jesus took the horror of our sin on his shoulders, he took the weight of death on himself and breathed his last breath. And everybody thought that was the last word. When Jesus gave his life, everybody thought it's over. And yet, three days later, Jesus burst from the grave. And Jesus showed himself to so many people, and they wrote it down in so many ancient manuscripts, that it disproved everybody who thought, well, maybe it's a hoax, or maybe they've just made it up to try and prove their case, or all of that. None of those stack up, because so many people saw Jesus, well over 500, after he'd risen from the dead. And not only that, they ate food with him. They touched his side where he'd been speared. They touched his hands where he'd been nailed to the cross. They, they looked at his body and they realized, oh my goodness, it's, it's not a different body. It's the same body, but it's been brought back to life. Now let's think for, about resurrection for a minute. And there, uh, there tends to be about three other different things that people think about what happens when this force of death comes on you. The first is, we just run out. Nothing happens. We just have this life and nothing happens after that. We melt into the ground. We literally just run out. Well, can you explain why Jesus rose from the dead? How Jesus rose from the dead? How he came and appeared to so many people? The second thing people say is that it's just a release. And we just float off into heaven and become spirits forevermore. And, so, and you know, we, we just come into a sort of spirit world. Well, Jesus said, you can touch me, you can touch my body. And the third thing is they say, well, sometimes people get reincarnated. And they come back as, say, I don't know, a lesser person or even a lesser animal. Well, that didn't happen to Jesus. And how do you have any way of proving that? Sometimes people have serious deja vu, but it seems difficult to prove that reincarnation is a fact. But the fact that we do know, the fourth one, resurrection happened. It happened to Jesus. 
He showed himself. They touched him. They ate with him. And what happened to Jesus is that the same flesh that he had, the same body that he had, didn't suddenly become spirit. The same body that he had suddenly now was raised back to life and made even more real than it was before. So they could touch him. But it was even more real than the walls and the doors because he could move through them and suddenly appear to him. It's because, as the Bible says, suddenly he had incorruptible flesh that didn't have a 70, 80, or 90-year lifespan on it, as you and I may or may not have, it suddenly had an eternal lifespan on it. Suddenly, Jesus was never going to die again. And that made him even more real than the bricks and mortar around him, than the wooden doors. It made him more real because they're going to wear out one day. They'll corrode one day, but Jesus won't corrode one day. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he was resurrected, became the first fruits. And what that means, if any of us are farmers, is that he is the first example of the coming harvest. What happened to him shows us how the rest of it's going to be. And when Jesus said to his followers and to us, I am the resurrection and the life, what he was saying is, The same thing that happened to me in my resurrection body is going to be the final destination for any of you who will follow me. And what happens when you and I reach the end of our lifespan of 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, we will will give our final breath. And our bodies will wear out. Our mortal flesh will give way. But the Bible teaches us that there's going to come a day when Jesus returns and all those who are in him will rise again. And what that's going to happen is you and I will rise, not as spirits, but with our resurrected bodies and we will live with Jesus forever and ever and ever. So, here's my second question. Can you imagine the depths of God's love to come and be killed and to go through the most horrific force, death itself, to make a way for resurrection, eternal life? Can you imagine how much he loves us to do that? We will sing in this church, oh, we give our lives to you, Lord, but if you really entered into the Good Friday story, I feel the coward in me rising in comparison with Jesus who gave his life and to descend into hell and then to be called by the Father to you. Can you imagine how much he loves you and how much he loves me and how much he loves the whole world in the sense that we've fallen short in our sin and our humanity and our brokenness? How much he loves us? And so my third question for you I'm adding a third, is simply this. In our reading it said, all those will rise with him whose names are written in the book. And Jesus talked to his disciples about, it's actually way more important than whatever you do, that your names are written in the book of life. And so my question for each of us here today is do you know that your names are written in the book of life? 
And if they're written in the book of life, then when Jesus returns, he's going to say to the Father, yep, James Meldrum, yep, Libby Sheldon, yep, Dan Hall, yep, and he'll go down the list. And at that moment, the same thing will happen as happened to Jesus. The Father will release the Spirit. The Son will be so excited. And we will rise from death to be with him forever and ever. And he'll say, yep, John Miles. He'll say, yep, Sonia, Lima. He'll say, yep, Felicity Barn and Bob, Andrew White, Kelly White. If our names are written in the book of life. Now, some of us here may know that. To get your name written in the book of life simply means putting your whole trust in Jesus Christ. And we could pray fancy prayers. We could lead you in something. But really, this is about you and God. And it's about you saying, I want to be found in the book of life. It's better than reincarnation. It's better than just a release into a spirit world. It's better than just running out and just melting into the ground. I want to live in Jesus and enter into the eternal resurrection age. And all he asks is that you believe. And if you believe in him, then you will find your name written in the book of life forevermore. That's his grace and that's his love and that's for you and I. And if your name's written in the book of life, that's why we have joy today. In our reading it said, Evil's kicking off and everyone's running back and forth. Does anybody think that describes our world? Everyone's running around, back and forth, trying to work it out. Crisis after crisis after crisis. But today is why we have great joy. It doesn't mean that we don't care what's going on in Eastern Europe. It doesn't mean that we don't care how hard people's lives are. It's not that. It's not that we're trying to escape everything. We're working our butts off to make a difference in the world today. But we have great joy because we know whatever happens in life, we are going to live with Jesus forever and ever and ever. However this life goes, good, bad, indifferent, there's going to come a day where we will enter into eternal paradise with Jesus because our names are written in the book of life. And that's why we can have great joy and just thank God so much that we're on solid ground as we've sung that there's no more guilt in life as we've sung, that we can praise his name forever as we've sung because Jesus has risen from the grave. And because he's risen from the grave, he's the first trailblazer, the first pioneer, and he's bringing any of us here who are with him if our names are written in the book of life. So I just want to say to you now, we are going to baptize some precious people in a few moments who have said to Jesus. I want to be found in you. I want my name to be written in the book of life. And we're going to baptize them as an earthly sign of what's going on spiritually. They are going into the water to die to their old life, and they're rising out of the water into the eternal resurrection life that Jesus has offered to them. But my question, finally, Does everybody here know that? Does everybody here know that they are in Jesus? Because who knows what might happen tomorrow. That's not to scare us, but every time we cling to something we think is secure, it it will wear out and fade away. 
every empire gives way to the kingdom of God. Every firm foundation which isn't the Lord Jesus Christ will crumble. And so my question is, have you believed in Jesus with all your heart and accepted him in your life? And he will write your name. And when he comes, he'll say, yeah, he's with me. And the Father will release the Spirit. The Spirit will raise you from the, from the dead, just like he did Jesus, and will reign with him in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever and ever. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who gave his life to forgive us of sin, to break the bondage of death and decay by rising to new life and offering to every single person on planet Earth eternal life. Holy Spirit, come and stir our hearts to receive his life again to look with joy on the one who rose from the grave, who even now has ascended into heaven and is praying for us and will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen.